everybody. It's the Savage Land. Wacky cold open Savage Land time cold. What? 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 You know who else has a cold open? The Savage Land. The difference is kids nowadays. Welcome back to the Savage Land. You know who else is on the Savage Land? It's Jeremy Hahn. And? Jason and Matt and Rachel? Yeah. 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 You got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Good job. Uh, hey, we, we recorded a whole like cold open and everything with Jeremy Hahn, uh, but Skype gave us a few issues feeding into the recording. Uh, my bad on that one. So I guess Matt and I are even now. But yeah, we, we were like right at the beginning of, uh, of the recording for the actual episode when, when it kicked in and and got back into gear um so just you know welcome on jeremy han he's uh he's a a great guest and he was very uh you know courteous and kind with all of our questions today so yeah i i he's right as you join here he's in the middle of answering the first question which was to tell us the story of how the beauty came about yep so listen listen in and enjoy and maybe intro music should we put intro music right after that yep I was wanting to get more into writing stuff and, you know, all writers, we have these like this list of, of stories that we want to tell. And the beauty was one that I kept coming back to. I was thinking about, you know, the links we go to, to look good and to, to, uh, seem a certain way. And I pitched the idea to top cow. Um, they thought it was, it was solid and, uh, we did it as part of the pilot season. The concept was basically just, you know, what about, you know, if there was an STD that made you beautiful uh, and how would we examine that in society? And, you know, we made it a crime story and everything, you know, kind of easily digestible. But uh, it was, uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. So it's so it's been how many years in the making now uh, since since the beauty was first conceived until when it started being published? Um, well, I guess we're five years in now um it you know it it started out um when i was working for top cow drawing the darkness and uh, uh they i came back from la i was at their first signing and i was looking at all these amazingly beautiful you know quote unquote perfect la people and uh i was like i'm from the mid- midwest man i'm schlubby and i have a beard and, <laughs> and I, I do not fit in but uh yeah you know the ideas about what we the links we go to to look that good you know a lot of people had obviously had some work done and you know spent yeah the majority of their lives you know in the gym and stuff like that and um i came back and i pitched the idea to my buddy jason hurley and um we were on a long car ride back from a, from a convention and it, it was like, you know, one of those where you're riding with friends, you're just talking about what you're thinking about and what you're working on. And we, we both, you know, have ideas that, that we want to work on together or we want to work on separately. And so we're constantly pitching ideas to one another. And it, it started out as something that probably should have been a 15 minute conversation and it ended up taking the three and a half hours all the way home. And by the time that we got home, we, we had the world, you know, really developed and we understood, you know, Foster and Vaughn, the lead characters of the series and kind of what everything entailed. And, um, it, uh, just kind of 
sprang from there. We went to Top Cow. Um, we did a pilot season story. Yeah. We won. We won the pilot season that year. And um, right as that happened, my uh, my contract was up with Top Cow, and I had to go do some. I got to go do some stuff for, <laughs> for the bat the, the bat office at DC. Um, and you know when the hard thing when you're working exclusively for a company if you're working for top cow mm-hmm. um you know you have all the time in the world you can devote yourself to those projects and going going back to dc for a while and being the uh the artist on batwoman for yeah. a year I, I really didn't have a lot of extra time to devote to to doing you know the series and uh whenever I, I got free and, and really made the decision that I wanted to devote myself again to create our own stuff. Um, Matt Hawkins at Top Cow very, very graciously said, you know, uh, we talked about it and image, you know, doing stuff at image central was really the place to develop this. It was, it was, you know, um, it, it gave us a lot of freedom and, Obviously, it was where the hotness was coming from right now, and so uh, we did it there. But and, and you know, a few a few years actually passed between those two, two years, three years. But okay. uh, yeah, and now uh, we're on issue what thirteen, fourteen. Uh, so, thirteen is out. Yeah, I think uh, fourteen. Fourteen hasn't quite come out yet, has it? Is it uh, next week or something? It's, like it's that? At the, yeah, it's at the printer right now. So okay, cool. Should be before too long. I was like, wait a minute, did I miss? Did I miss an issue? Crap. Um, I see, I forget because, uh, stuff, you know, I always get like my, my early copies and the PDFs coming in. So I got to messing with you guys and saying stuff's out. That's not, (laughs) um, so you mentioned Jason Hurley and, uh, I want to, uh, kind of talk about that a little bit. So you guys are co-writing it. Um, what's your writing process like, uh, you know, sort of going between the two of you? Um, it's, it's, we're, we're best friends and we live in the same town. He actually lives just a few blocks away, um, above the comic shop. And so, uh, he, you know, <laughs> as a short walk over here, or I walk over there and we pull out our laptops and, you know, sit across the room from one another and have a conversation, mm-hmm. which is kind of the best, best way I feel like when you're right. Yeah. Um, with somebody, you know, we, we just talk about it a lot and we ask questions and, we use Google Docs, so we can literally be typing into the same document at the same time. You know, watching he, he makes fun of my misspellings, and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I try not to throw things. Pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I've never uh, I've never heard of anybody like co-scripting at the same time. It's uh, usually it's like one person is doing the script, and then the other is sort of like they're talking story together, and they kind of switch off that way. Um, scripting at the same time, that's like a it's like a Voltron esque uh, unity on that script right there. Well, it's it's really for us, and, and I, th- I think that being friends the way we are um, really helps the process. You know, we can call each other out on our BS and and kind of I don't know. Um, it, it's it's a very very quick way to work. A lot of times, you know, uh, we talk the dialogue out out loud. You know, I'll. Uh, he'll he'll say something and, and you know then we'll immediately tweak it and type it in to make it sound the way we want to. Um, it definitely works for us. So do, so does that? Uh, I imagine like with both of you sort of working on it that way, then you probably have um, a lot. 
I guess a lot fewer drafts on a lot of your scripts since it sounds like you're sort of self-editing as you go along. Is there is is that the case or do you still like, you know, go into extensive, you know, rewrites? Um not usually that often. Uh lately one of the the fantastic things that we kind of lined up with the second arc was uh Joel Enos. Um he came in and started editing the book with us. Mm. And so we even opened that document to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, invite, you can invite people in and, and work on it. And so um, no, he doesn't like he isn't involved at the same time that we are usually. But immediately, you know, like the next day, um, I'll wake up late and there'll be some notes there from him saying, you know, well, why does this character's motive? Like, what is this character's motivation? Why are they doing this? And, and uh, uh I really think that one of the staples of the way that we work really is just based around asking questions of one another. Um, if something doesn't make a lot of sense, we, we ask, you know, why are we thinking this way? What, and, and if you can argue it really well, if you can say, this is, this is the point, mm-hmm. you know, we'll pretty easily concede there, but uh, it, it really makes for a, a pretty good process as we work. And so what uh, you mentioned bringing in uh, Joel Enos, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yes. Um, what's, uh, what was it that made you guys want to involve an editor for the, for the second arc and, and going on? Um, the headaches involved in making things. It's, it's, <laughs> it's simply, uh, we, you know, I, by this point in my career, I've had opportunities to work in just about every kind of situation that's that's available i've I've, um written my own stuff i've had other people draw it i've written and drawn stuff i've drawn a lot of stuff i've worked with uh marvel and dc and had fantastic editors i've worked in situations where you know the editing my creative style and the editing style didn't match up but um really coming back to image especially during this time period where it's, I feel like it's a golden age for mm-hmm. creator own books. Yeah. Uh, um, there is so much work that goes into making an image book and, and doing a creator own book. And you have to think about, um, you know, making the thing plus editing the thing, plus just like logistics and social media presence and promotion and everything that goes into it. And if you're not careful, you're working, you know, a hundred hours a week, um, and getting very, very little sleep. And sometimes it's just very, very nice to focus on the making things aspect more. Yeah. And when, you know, um, uh, every year, um, at New York Comic Con, uh, my birthday falls over the show, and so we get together with friends and have and have a dinner. And um, I had known Joel for a while, and, and really just you know loved him as a human being, and and felt like he was a fantastic editor for the stuff that he did for Viz and a few other friends. Mm-hmm. And over dinner, we were just talking about things, and um, we were just finished with the first arc of the beauty. And when we were talking, um, he, he just clicked with us. It really, it was like, you know, if we could have him helping us along the way, 
we could just focus on writing and drawing the book and not have the, the, some of the logistical headaches that we were kind of having to deal with at the time. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, creator owned is, uh, it's kind of a, like you said, it is sort of the gold, golden age of creator owned comics right now, but it's also a bit of a, um, you know, sort of newfound territory where people are trying to figure out what the, the best method is of working with them. And I guess, yeah, like working outside of a Marvel and DC where they just have their process and their sort of, uh, established system. It's, uh, probably a you know sort of a, an ongoing process of figuring out exactly what works and and what doesn't for any particular book. Um, yeah, I uh, so I was I was just gonna ask what uh, from you know like when you you were talking about how the second arc uh, shifted you know and and you guys kind of you know brought in that editor and you had sort of a different. Um, you know, a different vibe there with that editor. One thing that was pretty prevalent, at least for me reading it was, and obviously for most other readers, is that with the second arc, you kind of shifted to, you know, kind of exploring more of the world of the beauty uh, and also bringing in other artists and, you know, kind of, I guess, I guess adding a whole other layer of detail. So what was it that uh, motivated you guys or made you want to sort of explore other artistic styles and um, obviously other, you know, areas of, of this world. The, the first arc really effectively is the end of the beauty story. Um, From the beginning, you know, we, we knew this, we, this beginning, middle and end that we had, and we always had other stories that we wanted to tell, Mm -hmm. but based on the way that we, Originally, the book was very much supposed to be a limited series that we wanted to tell more, but and, and we wanted to tell more of, of what led into all of this, but that structure was pretty limited. And when we got to um, Image, after having the first issue done and really having that first arc all ready to go, um, we, we found the wonderful thing, the Image thing, where talking to Eric Stevenson, he was just like, do what you want to do. Tell the stories that you want to tell. And and it's a massively freeing thing. Um, We realized that it wasn't just limited to telling, um, you know, one arc. Uh, Mm -hmm. We could, we could go in and tell anything. And with that freedom, you know, we, we realized that, you know, we could have, um, we could go back in and tell, you know, stories that happened six months before, eight months before, and then really weave it all in and connect the characters back and, and kind of tell you more of why, why certain things ended up happening, you know, in, in that first arc and um, really give backstory on the characters and then develop the world even more. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it was massively freeing. And, um, you know, I, one of the things that I run into as a writer artist is that, um, writing takes up, you know, a decent amount of time, yeah. but art takes up a lot of time, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. And, um, you know, I, I, I've kind of hit this point in my career where to do what I want to do on the page, it takes about six weeks to draw an issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I knew that there were more stories that I wanted to tell and different stories that I wanted to tell along the way. And, if I was going to be able to do those and still tell the beauty the way that I wanted to, I was going to need to work with some artists, some people to come onto the book and, and 
help out. And, um, and, you know, we talked a lot about it. We didn't take it lightly bringing other people on. And my position was always like, you know, if it's somebody that is as good, if not better than me, then I'm cool with it. Yeah. And everybody that we brought on, I pretty much feel like are they're better than me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've been, you know, we've, we, we immediately kicked it off and did number seven with, um, Mike Huddleston. Yeah. And he, he's a, a super genius. And, uh, then followed that up with Brett Weldley. And I, you know, I love his painted style. I love the things that he does. We, you know, and, and he's just so easy to work with. And then Stephen Green, and then, um, you know, that wrapped up the, the, the second arc yeah. and it was, it was, it was fantastic. It was everything that I kind of hoped it would be, you know, some fans of the book, you know, were not, they wanted me all along the series and, and mm-hmm. I, I understand that. And, and I, I, you know, I respect people wanting one artist, but I really feel like the way that we built the series very much allows for different styles and different stories along the way. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask about the fan reception cuz I actually like and I think that uh all three of us the way that we the way that we read these comics is usually pretty isolated from like the rest of, you know, there's all sorts of like whether it's Reddit pages or communities on the internet. Um and so we haven't really seen like, you know, what's what's been happening, but we uh just reading that second arc and I guess I can only speak for myself, but I I really liked that, you know, with every sort of character's story, the art style was changing. And, and especially, you know, when when it switched over to uh, issues eight through ten with Brett, like it was kind of awesome to get a different character's story, but also having, you know, that entire sort of having that story feel so different with the watercolored art and, you know, sort of the very different uh, uh, style. But for you, I mean, has... Do you feel like the the reception has still been more positive than anything, or you know what what's oh, yeah. your opinion? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know you're going to lose people along the way, and I think that that um, doing what we did, we, we were a little nervous because <laughs> um, you know people loved Foster and Vaughn, and they loved that first arc, and yeah. we were a little scared that that shifting the the point of view a little bit was going to be something that uh, chased people off, but. I mean, people really, you know, really, really liked it for the most part. And, and, you know, you have, I think that you have the vocal minority on either side. You have, you have, um, people that absolutely are just like crazy about the story and, Mm -hmm. and shout from the rooftops about it. And then you have people that hate it and shout from the rooftops. And then most people (laughs) just read it and enjoy it. And, you know, they, they go on with their lives. Um, and I appreciate all points of view there. I think that, you know, uh, there are plenty of books that I've, you know, that have gone a direction that I didn't care for. And I, and I stopped reading and that's just part of the process, but we're telling a story that we like and we enjoy the way that we're telling it. And, um, you know, we want people to like it, but we understand that's not always fair for everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, uh, it is kind of funny. Like the internet, I feel like sometimes makes, makes people either panic or, or celebrate, uh, you know, either one usually panic more, but, um, because there is such a, a vocal minority that's, you know, that's so much more heard than the people who are just sort of enjoying it and going along with it. Um, that sometimes it can feel like, you know, the world is sort of, the world is either falling down or everything's going perfectly when it may not be the case, but it's just the, 
the most vocal who are out there on all the, the message boards and Twitter and everything um, who make right. it feel that way. Uh, well, I think, go ahead. Uh, I, I think that, that comics, you know, you have to stay true to yourself and the way that you want to tell stories. And I think that you respect your audience and you love your audience. And as long as you're staying true to yourself and not just, you know, trying to outwardly, piss people off i think you're gonna be in good shape <laughs> yeah no and we i mean uh really quick before we you know we're i kind of want to bring it sort of back and talk a bit about uh you know your your upbringing and what got you into comics and things like that but before that i do just want to say like all three of us before we ever even reached out to have you come on the show we were really really enjoying uh the comic and i think that it's it's rare to see a series uh change its sort of tone and and uh you know, methodology so drastically and still keep up the, the level, you know, the, the level of quality, um, that you guys have. And so I think that the beauty is a huge accomplishment for creator owned books, because especially in that space, there's, there's not many who, uh, can take that big of a, a sort of turn or change in direction and, and still, you know, maintain that sort of quality. So congratulations i guess is all i'm saying <laughs> well thank you I, i'm glad our weird little experiments were <laughs> no i i mean i think that's i think that's sort of one of the most intriguing aspects of of uh, as i've been going through and reading it is the it's 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 more of a you know you're getting you're getting to see this this these viewpoints from all across this universe instead of just following these two characters and it's really kind of filling in this 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 whole entire world and i and 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 i and i really like you know getting getting to be able to see okay this is going on here but what's going on in the rest of the world and you kind of get this whole entire worldview of 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 this phenomenon of this uh std versus you know following two characters which you know is fine and that's you know general the linear storytelling that we see in most comics so i for myself i i, I really appreciate and have found uh myself in, incredibly intrigued and in just in this this overarching viewpoint and all these different like little mini stories i think it's i think it's a very cool uh way that you're you're directing your readership and yeah i don't know <laughs> well, I, no, thank, thanks man i mean that's that's great i i feel like um we set out to tell tell this story and and the thing that stood out from the beginning was that the disease itself and the way that it affected people on a large scale was the interesting thing um in the first arc our favorite part i mean for and, and we love foster and bond and telling their story and telling the stories that are gonna come you know from here on out with them but um but we we really love those cold openings, those vignettes where you got to see the, uh, you know, the, the poet, you know, and, and with working with the audience and the, the, uh, the televangelist and his story and, um, all these characters along the way, those little vignettes in the first arc that, that kind of show the larger world. And we, we wanted to examine how people were affected and, while it was nice to be able to do those short little things, you know, we wanted to expand that into an issue here, or three issues here, four issues here, and, and kind of tie it back in. And it's 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 been a lot of fun because you know there's always those questions. Um, you know, from the beginning, we got questions from people uh, asking, you know, like, what if somebody was 
you know, really, really large. How would that, you know, how would that affect, you know, we had to examine that. And, mm. um, I was really happy to, to, to take a look at like, um, uh, transgender characters and shine a light on, on them and give them a real, um, you know, lead role, uh, Ezra really is, is one of our you know, favorite characters and getting to look at that at her world and, um, Till that story was a lot of fun for us. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, like reading, uh, you know, past the first arc, it did sort of answer a lot of the questions that kind of pop up in your head as you're reading that first arc. You're like, oh, well, what if, what if this, what if that, like, how, you know, how does this affect so? And so I think that's, that's been the, the most exciting part, not only getting like such a, you know, a sort of, um, overarching, like, you know, very, uh, inclusive and diverse story, but also just like, yeah, fleshing out this world so much. Um, and I'm curious with, with Ezra, has there been like, have you guys received, uh, you know, sort of like a, any specific responses from members of the, the transgendered community and like, how has that sort of response been with tackling a character like that? Uh, we were pretty scared about it, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, there has been, um, and, and when I say scared, I guess we were more eh, scared to probably the wrong we really wanted there to be a positive representation of the community. Um, yeah. We have, we have friends, people that we are close to that, that are in the community and, you know, have seen um, negative representation, inadvertent negative representation at times. Um, just, we wanted to do something that was good and, and that, that could be, um, something positive in, in, uh, I think it kind of became a really hot button topic as it, we were, we'd already done the story. Um, mm-hmm. when a lot of the bathroom stuff hit and we didn't, you know, we just had no idea what, what the response was going to be. We were very ready. You know, if people wanted to come at us and be monstrous about it and hate on the book because we were representing a character, and her story, um, screw them. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's and that's a freedom that you telling. have with creator owned books. Sure. Yeah. We're, we're telling what we're telling and, and, you know, you can, you can not read the book or mm-hmm. you can feel however you want to feel. Anybody's entitled to that, but we really wanted to just make sure that we didn't hurt the community that we were trying to represent. And, you know, um, the response has been fantastic. Uh, you know, everybody, uh, it, it was, it, it was not something where, you know, it was a massive, uh, blow up, you know, there wasn't, you know, there were not headlines about us doing the book, you know, we didn't really seek to even necessarily like try to lead with it, you know, saying, Hey, look at us, look at us. That's yeah. not really how we do things at all. Um, but it feels so good having, having, um, people come up at conventions and say, this was a story for me. I really appreciate that you did it. You know, it, it yeah. means the world to us. So, and, and, you know, she's, Ezra's one of our favorite kids. She's such a badass. We, we really love telling her story. And, uh, you know, one of the things immediately that, that we, we knew as soon as we finished the second arc, we were like, well, we're going to see Timo and Ezra again. Cause <laughs> They're a hell of a lot of fun to do. Yeah, no, and they're they're a hell of a lot of fun to read, and I think that there are so many 
you know, there, there's so much, I think, uh, curiosity for where that goes and, and sort of what happens in that side of the, the world and everything. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's the stories thus far has done a great job of keeping us, you know, curious and wanting more. Um, so to kind of bring it back, where you, you live in, uh, in Missouri now, right? Is that where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. I, I live in uh, Joplin, Missouri. It's a small town in the uh, the southwest corner of the state. And uh, growing up in Missouri, was there much of a like comic book community, or when did you sort of uh, find yourself reading comics? Well, um, I was really sick one time as a kid, and, and comics had kind of always been. I guess let me back up even more on that. Comics had always kind of been a part part of my life. Uh, my mom worked at a little dime store in, in town. Uh, we lived in a town called Anderson when I was really little. And uh, it was the pharmacy and, and dime store in town. And she worked there. Um, and so she would bring me home the, the comics that she probably wasn't supposed to. But, she, you know, <laughs> when you tear, off the co- you, tear, you tear off the covers from the newsstand and, and you send the covers back. Um, yeah. And then, and then you're supposed to destroy the comics. Well, she would bring me a stack of coverless comics back home. And, <laughs> and so I, you know, I remember reading about, you know, the flash and Superman and parasite and, uh, you know, the really, really early X-Men. I guess not really, or, you know, I'm not that old, but the, the <laughs> earlier X-Men stuff. Um, and so they, yeah, they were always a part of my life. You know, I, I got the star Wars comics as they were coming out, uh, from Marvel and, and I, I just loved them. Um, and so uh, I, you know, you, you grow up and I always would draw and, and draw from them. And, and I had this, uh, this like, it was, I can't even remember what it's called. It's like the Mighty Marvel uh, fun book, I think is maybe what it was called. It was like a telephone book sized black and white thing. It was puzzles and stories mm. from Marvel characters. And, and, and it had all of the horror stuff in there too. And like mazes and nice. uh, Shang-Chi stuff. And it was, it was fantastic. And it, it really exposed me to like the, the mythos of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime around I was uh, nine or 10, I ended up getting pretty sick and having to go into the, the hospital overnight. And I was, I was scared and, you know, stressed out by it. Of course, you know, yeah. you don't know when you're, my kid yeah absolutely. Um, and my grandmother in, ended up uh going and getting every comic book off of the rack at the town that we were in um <laughs> every comic book that there was and, and it included some that were you know because i always got like the the cast offs that, that my mom would bring me or, or like ones that we found at a flea market or something like that yeah yeah so i didn't really understand necessarily like that that you'd get issue 181 and then 182 and then, um, mm. but, but she brought me, apparently they hadn't pulled the ones in the back. So I got two and three issues of a couple of books and specifically a parasite Superman story, uh, that, that, that I loved. Um, and, um, uh, there was a, a Batman with like the Riddler and, um, a Spider-Man story. Hmm. And, but I got like a couple of issues back to back there. And, and, um, it really, I, I realized then, Oh my gosh, these are continuing stories. And it's not just one and done things. I think. And then there was this small shop. Uh, there, well, there are actually two shops in Joplin. Uh, one was, uh, called, uh, the book barn. 
mm-hmm. and the other one was called Parallel Worlds. And I love they were both such great shops for different reasons. Um, but for some reason, because it was harder to they had weird hours and and we couldn't get in there very often. The shop Parallel Worlds was on the second floor um, of of this uh, this old building, and we'd go up the stairs and it would maybe be open, maybe wouldn't be, but they had the best selection of stuff. And they had a lot of like the really weird black and white things, you know, um, mm-hmm. they had heavy metal. I was, I was probably 12 and I was going in there, you know, finding heavy metal. It's too early for me to be seeing, <laughs> you know, stuff, but, uh, I, it, it completely just took me to the next level. You know, at, at 12, I was all in on comics and, uh, just never turned back. That's awesome. Uh, and so as you as you sort of you know grew up into your like teenage years and and obviously into your early adulthood, were there any big sort of like inspirations that stood out to you in terms of whether it was artists or writers? Because obviously now you're doing both. Um, but were there any creators that really inspired you the most growing up? I mean, yeah. I mean, I you know my my teenage years um, were really you know, at the height of, uh, where comics were really changing. It was, it was, um, Todd McFarlane and, and, you know, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, uh, the, that whole image crew working on stuff at Marvel and then eventually splitting off and doing their own thing, which was, was huge. Uh, I was, a massive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. You know, I, I was young enough to get the black and white stuff. Um, you know, the Eastman and Laird stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I love Simonson's stuff on Thor. Uh, uh, you know, it, uh, the, you know, the dark Knight uh, from, from <laughs> Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I loved uh, even well his, his daredevil stuff. And then late later, the Annie no Cine, uh, John Romita Jr. Daredevil stuff. I, I had a huge. I was I was really soaking it in anything that I could get my hands on. Uh, and you know, I, I think that younger I was more of a DC kid, um, and then I got older, and the Marvel stuff really kind of pulled me in. But then a lot of the black and white weird stuff. Uh, I somewhere in there I found Grendel, mm. and that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Loved that Mage. Yeah. Um, and even like a lot of like kind of weird stuff that I probably like, you know, shouldn't have been reading, I think, in that in that time period. Lots of like, you know, the black and white stuff. Um, I I found even some of like the crumbs stuff, you know, when I was 13 and 14 in there. It just kind of all stewed. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the biggest books that really affected me um, and it kind of came. I. I it was later in high school, but um, Hellboy popped up, mm. and I, I loved Magnolia stuff from um, uh, the Cosmic Odyssey stuff, and then the, oh, yeah. the more of the fantasy stuff that he did, like the Ferret and the Gray Mouser. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but then he did this issue of the Dark Knight or Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, I think it was called Sanctuary, mm-hmm. and it was it was Lovecraftian and horror based, and his art was just weird and perfect, and uh, <laughs> it pulled me in, you know. And and I mean that was, you know, um, 
I guess actually, you know, another uh, a couple of other guys in there that that really shaped a lot of of the way that I loved comics. Um, you know, Kelly Jones, uh, his stuff on on Dead Man, and um, then the Batman, you know, Red Reigns, all all the vampire stuff, and then into the various Batman stuff that he did, and he, you know, he he was a massive influence you can't really see any of these guys stuff in my art <laughs> i know i'm like they, i'm thinking about it I'm like they, man there's not much mignola in there is there yeah no no there isn't but, it, <laughs> but, but there, there there is elements of it and i can kind of see where stuff comes from but it's not something that i think people are gonna recognize um yeah but yeah kelly jones and then uh the other guy one of the other guys that really influenced was um from the uh the the heavy metal stuff okay was uh Rich, richard corbin Hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, he uh, like honestly, he and I came. He and I come from the same small town in uh, Anderson, Missouri, uh, where my grandfather lived. Um, we both, you know, he's in his seventies now, and I never got to meet him when he lived there. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but he. Uh, my grandfather kind of knew who he was and um, but that all of that old like um, den stuff and the eerie stuff and all of the uh, the crazy stuff from heavy metal that he did uh, really kind of fascinated me and I don't know I, I I know he lives in Kansas City I need, I need to find a way to meet the guy because <laughs> he was a big influence but anyway I'm, I'm cool. off in never never no you're fine gathering, but uh, but yeah, all I don't know, all this stuff kind of made a weird soup in my brain. And um I, you know, whether it was, you know, the Image Comics original, you know, originally founding, uh, you know, I was really into Savage Dragon and uh everybody loves Spawn. Um you know, all of these books, they just kind of shaped the things that I liked and and uh I I I remember being in high school and just people asking me they were like you know what are you gonna do and i was like i'm gonna draw comic books and then you know time went on and it was in you know i was starting college and they were like what are you gonna do and i was like i'm gonna draw comic books and i think that as time went by like i have very few complaints with my my creative tenacity that's awesome uh so you so you mentioned you knew when you were like back in high school that you already knew you wanted to be a comic book artist Honestly, it was probably earlier than that. Even it was, I, 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 you know, I remember phases where I thought maybe I should try to do something else and that always filled me with terror. (laughs) I, (laughs) I, um, you know, I, I remember, uh, my high school English teacher, he, he, uh, you know, he came up and he said, you know, it's a really good thing that you're as good as you are drawing because, uh, I'm pretty sure that the only thing else that you could do is work in a chicken plant. Oh, and, and he was, he was being, he was being funny about it, but it really kind of resonated with me. I was like, I'm either going to flip burgers for a living or do this comics thing. And I'm really glad I'm not flipping burgers for a living. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I think that uh, a lot of the comics community is also glad for that. Um, yeah. for, for you and some for themselves, them. I guess. Yeah. yeah some of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you first get into the industry? I mean, obviously, you know, you knew from a young age that you, 
you wanted to do that. What was the the path like for you that you took? I'm just old enough that my path was kind of a little weird because um, in 94, uh, I graduated school, mm-hmm. uh, high school in 94. And I went to to this uh, small university here in Joplin. Um, they have a great art program, but they really didn't necessarily know what to do with me. And I was like, I'm drawing comics. And they're like, that's kind of fine art and kind of graphics. We'll have you do some, both of it. And, um, I, but you know, this is really where the internet was kind of taking off and we were getting access to it regularly. Uh, so everything that I learned about making comic books was because I chased down books on how to make them. And, you know, uh, looked up stuff and kind of just figured it out, figured it out as I was going. You know, I remember that, like, um, you know, uh, Wizard Magazine had this section on, like, how to draw comics kind of thing. It was like, uh, yeah. I know Bart Sears did some and Mignola did some. It, people would come in and they would kind of give you tips and things like that. And I had, you know, how to draw comics the Marvel way. And I had, uh, you know, McLeod's books and, and, uh, you know, various, various things along the way and kind of learn from those, but it was kind of a weird process. And, um, I, in 95, uh, we took a trip to, uh, train, um, and visited family in Oregon. And then we went down for San Diego comic con and it was really an eye changing experience for me because I hadn't ever, had never really left our town much. You know, we were, we grew up pretty poor. Um, and I was getting to see a whole new world. And I remember going down. It, you came in the back of of the uh, convention center that year, and that there's the escalators there. And they came down onto the floor, and it blew my mind. I, I it was this vastness of just you know nerddom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I showed my portfolio to everybody that I could. I, I got in line for. Um, you know, for Marvel and DC and image, I, I was in the line for, um, and, and you get to know people along the way, you know, uh, like Kari Andrews was, was, we ended up hanging out in line a lot. And okay. that year, you know, all trying to get in, uh, hoping to, and mm-hmm. I remember that, um, I was in line at, at extreme studios at the image booth and, and, um, you know, uh, the, the kid in front of me showed his portfolio and, it really seems like it was Matt Hawkins um, <laughs> uh, was was working for Extreme at the time, and and he's like, yeah, you know, I, you know what, come on around, and he like literally, basically, just gave this kid a job there on the con floor right wow. in front of me, and and so then I was like, hey, how about yeah, you got one of those for me? Um, <laughs> they didn't, and uh, you know, it, it that year really kind of it made me realize that I had long ways to go and had a lot to figure out. And, and rather than doing the thing that, that some people do at that point and just quit or, you know, get, get angry. I, I made notes of everything that everybody said, you know, work on your backgrounds, work on your anatomy, work on this and that. And, and I took that back home with me, you know, and went back to my grocery store job and, um, you know, I I would work eight hours a day, you know, uh, 
going and, and doing grocery store stuff and, and going to school. And, um, and then at night I would sit there until, you know, I, I would go back, I would go back to San Diego and I, I went back to Chicago and to shows and I would just make the trips up and, and show them my work and hope for, you know, hope, hope that something came of it. And, um, the response got better and better. And in there, I decided I was going to, I, I met a, a guy in town and I, and we decided that we were just going to make our own book, a black and white thing. And we were going to gather the money and save up and print it ourselves. And so we did, it was this book called paradigm and it's a black and white thing that we did through, we made our own company called two Irish guys press. Nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it was just, um, we just did it. And we took the book to Kansas city, uh, to planet comic con and, uh, it was our local show and it was a really good show at the time, but now it's, now it's, I, I would argue that it's probably the fifth best show in the United States. Um, uh, but, uh, Jim Valentino from image comics was there and, you know, we, we had loved Jim's stuff from you know, the Shadowhawk days and, and, you know, even, even earlier, uh, his Marvel work and stuff like that. And, um, so we were like, let's, let's give him a copy. You know, I, I I hope he likes it. Mm-hmm. You know? And we had no expectation beyond just thinking it was cool to be able to give this pro a copy of the book um, yeah. that we were selling the show. And, and, you know, our contact information was in the book and we, we got an email, you know, the, the next week and it said, Hey, you know, let's set up a phone call. I'd, I'd like to talk to you guys about paradigm. And we were like, well, okay, that's, that's weird. Okay. Um, and, so we hopped on the phone and he was like, why didn't you pitch this to image? And we were like, cause we didn't know that we didn't think anybody would like it. We, we just made the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, I want to publish this. Um, you know, wow. What, what are your plans? And so we ended up publishing with image. We were, we, uh, I think we waited four months after that initial publication. Um, we worked on the next couple of issues to get it ready and, and then started publishing through image. And, um, it was crazy. It was, you know, we were, we were brand new and really got this chance to do a thing. And we made this book and it was weird. <laughs> it was not, I, you know, uh, it was a definite learning experience. It was, it was just crazy. And, um, we did 12 issues and, then we wrapped that up and, you know, we hoped to do more. Um, it just wasn't in the cards for that book. But, um, from there I, you know, I met B Claymore and we did battle him together and then just one project led into another. And, and here I am today. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's no, that's, that's really awesome. And that's awesome that, uh, that Valentino was just like, yeah, let's, let's get it going. I mean, that's for any young comic creator who's just like trying to break in. That's like, I mean, that's the equivalent of God reaching his hand down and just saying, here you go. Here's a lift. Oh, I, I will be forever indebted to Jim for that, for that book. I, I owe so much of my career to his, you know, willingness to take a chance on, you know, two dudes from Missouri that knew absolutely nothing about this process and our little black and white, you know, uh, <laughs> screwball. <book. laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
Now, in terms of, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your uh, artistic inspirations, but have you, you know, as you've sort of had a uh, larger and larger shift into the, the writing side of it over the past few years, do you have any sort of inspirations or people that uh, you've sort of looked to for, um, I guess, you know, getting to know the writing side of, of the business? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've had a really uh, wonderful education in comics where, you know, just going along, you know, drawing comics for so many years, um, working with, with clay, um, on battle him. And then on several projects, uh, I, I really got to see what a perfect handle on dialogue he has and then the way that he deals with character. And, um, you know, then I, you know, throughout my career working with everybody from, you know, David Hine to Mark Andreco, um, to, uh, you know, um, uh, why is my mind suddenly going blank on my entire career? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, I, I've, I've had a lot of opportunities to really look at the way people told stories. Uh, you know, um, people that have been doing it for years, guys that, that, um, were, you know, n- new, uh, you know, getting to, at DC, getting to work with, you know, James Tynion and, uh, Ray Fox and Scott Snyder. Um, just seeing all of these different ways that people tell stories. And then a lot of my storytelling stuff comes from movies and, and, and television. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, watching an inordinate amount of television while I draw and just soaking in the words, soaking in the dialogue, thinking about, um, series, you know, like, um, like Deadwood and Breaking Bad and, um, you know, all these things along the way that the, the writing, you know, the wire, the way that the dialogue is so strong, you know, and, and just trying trying to make that work with the way that I tell stories. Um, and, you know, along the way too, just, just reading a lot of comic books. I mean, everybody from, you know, uh, from Jason Aaron to Neil Gaiman, you know, along, you know, uh, Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. all of, all the vertigo books really, I think were, were a huge influence on me. Um, you get Peter Milligan, you know, uh, yeah. You know, uh, and, and 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 watching the way the styles of comics have kind of changed through that too um, has been a, a real interesting education. I think if if I had started writing a lot earlier, maybe my stuff would have had you know massive narration boxes, and people, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dodging bullets and, and you know saying soliloquies. You know, mm-hmm. now I tend to pair down the dialogue quite a lot because I think that you know I think it's a bit ridiculous yeah um so I I have a question yeah no <laughs> I, that's what I was about to say is Rachel I, I think you um I just kind of to bring it back to the beauty one of my favorite characters in there is the guy with the mask who scares me <laughs> so much <laughs> just because he likes to you know touch them and then rips their bodies to shreds (laughs) but my question is i know you mentioned hellboy and spawn but do you have any other horror influences that kind of you know powered through this story 
because I love even when they die, like they become kind of like porcelain dolls, which is also pretty terrifying. But is is there any other horror inspirations? Horror is really like the filter that everything else runs through for me. <laughs> um, uh, I when I was a kid, um, you know, we we moved in with my grandparents on their farm, and it was an old old farmhouse, one of the you know the big one that you kind of imagine in your head. And um, I was scared of everything. I just I, there, there was this. My brother and I were in this old room in this rickety house, you know creaking floorboards and everything and there was this area in the room there was kind of a divider and then there was a bunch of like old stuff stored in there there was this closet and the closet would no matter what we did no matter how many times during the day we'd go would go back and try to push on it to close the door it wouldn't close all the way and so we'd lay there in bed you know at night and look and there was this crack of that door open and i was always positive that that something was going to come out of that. Something was going to eat me. And <laughs> my way of dealing with that was then and, and being scared of Freddie and Jason, Michael Myers and you know, Leatherface and any of the, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd see the trailers for stuff on, on TV or you'd you know, hear friends talking about it or, you know, whatever it was. My, my way of dealing with it was I decided at a point I was again, probably, you know, 12 years old, I decided I was going to watch every horror movie that I could find. Okay. <laughs> that is a bold, yeah. It's a bold choice. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and it was, you know, it's, it's the, uh, it's the late eighties in, you know, small town America, you know, they, <laughs> you go to the video store and, and the guy, the guy behind the counter didn't, didn't give a crap, you know, what you picked up, you know? So, I mean, I, I was, you know, watching motel hell and, you know the, the Friday the Thirteenth. I love Motel Hell. It, that's such oh. a bad movie, but I love it's it. Really, so it's much. really terrible. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole pig head with the chainsaw thing. But but any any movie, especially the ones that had the most frightening covers, I would pick up and I would and I would watch them. And I had no business watching most of that stuff. But um, <laughs> but I got to see the monster die. I got to see you know even though Jason came back again and again and again <laughs> at the end of the film i got to watch him die and and it and i wasn't scared anymore it changed everything and i and i started i loved monsters i loved you know slasher films through you know giant monster films to you know uh creatures you know anything that i could get my hands on i was trying to absorb and you know in i got a little older in high school and and found um, you know, Lovecraft and Stephen King and um and it all kind of just mashed up and you know to to what you're asking about even some of the elements in the beauty. Um I think I owe a lot to Cronenberg for for where some of that comes from. Um David Cronenberg always had this way of, of doing this like kind of body horror. Um you know, and, and I'm I'm sure as most of us are, like I've been really obsessing over Twin Peaks again. But you know, <laughs> Twin Peaks, David Lynch's stuff uh, really influenced me in a big way. Um, I love I love taking a look at the things that bother me and scare me, and and uh, wanting to put them on the page. And I, I think that Calaveras is 
is um, in the beauty. He's this embodiment of a lot of that. You know, uh, I couldn't help amidst this kind of current science fictionish story to put that one horror character in there. You know, that uh, <laughs> reminds me of those things that terrified me as a kid. Yeah. I yeah, I loved him even though he was terrifying. <laughs> oh, he's so disturbing. I mean, that's yeah. And you know, when we were nervous, I mean, you know, we had a lot of conversations about how we handled the character and um, why he does what he does, and he's he's just messed up. He's terrible. But um, I, I really appreciate the idea that so many people, you know, saw what we were trying to do there and got it, and and um, ended up, you know digging in yeah that's awesome um we do have a question uh from our audience here and and what's funny is like most of the questions that we've gotten from uh from the audience you've actually kind of answered along the way without even uh without even trying to which is awesome yeah um no it's fine we we love it uh but uh this question comes from dan and he wants to know what kind of growth uh have you seen in yourself as a creator since breaking into the industry Oh, lots. Hopefully lots, I think. Lots. Um, <laughs> I, you know, as creatives, whether you're writing or drawing things, um, it, it's hard to look at what you did before. You know, you, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I look at things that I drew six months ago and, and cringe, um, <laughs> much less, you know, the things that I cringe about that I drew 15 years ago. Um, there, you know, I believe in in creative forced growth. I think that you know um, somebody told me very early on in my career, you know, it, it, draw a hundred pages. If you draw a hundred pages, you will not be the same artist that you were on page one. You know, you're you're gonna have a lot of growth, and you're gonna figure things out. And I thought about that all the time. I thought about, you know, generational leaps is what I call them in your creativity. Um, and so, you know, by the time I hit a hundred pages, I, I had changed. And by the time I hit, you know, a thousand pages, I was not the same artist. And every project that I work on, I have these little mini goals. I have, you know, tell the story is always the, you know, the main goal. You want to tell the story and make it clear and make it work well. But then, um, each story I work on, something, uh, the current thing that I'm drawing right now, uh, my goal is is to work on scale and scope and epic, you know, uh, epic landscape and trying to to make things bigger. Um, you know, work on on uh, not pulling in so much and you know, not being afraid to to uh, you know stick the the metaphorical camera on the ceiling you know 100 feet up or you know 100 you know thinking about like those shots in movies where like the dolly crane goes back yeah yeah you know, back and back and back and you suddenly see all of the people fighting below or whatever it is <laughs> working on that so yeah I, I i feel like i have had growth and i feel like that that you always have to push for growth um if if you get too comfortable i think that you know, things kind of lose a little bit of interest and, and, you know, um, sometimes you see creators that, that have, you know, have kind of just, they just aren't as into it anymore. And 
I don't ever want to hit that point. I, I always want to uh, absolutely love what I'm doing. Yeah. So that that sort of ties into what I was thinking. What does uh, what does the future hold for you? Naps. Yeah. <laughs> naps. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can Lots we can provide naps. that space for naps. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just take a, a nice break. Safe space for naps. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, you know, I I think I just want to continue doing what I'm doing. I I miss you know. I love working creator owned. I love uh, working for, you know, you know, Marvel and DC. Sometimes I really miss that. Uh, there is a connection to those characters from that spinner rack when I was a kid, you know, sure. I, I draw getting to draw Batman stuff was, was a, a dream come true for me, but you know, getting to draw my own stories is, it's so fulfilling. And, um, you know, like like we said, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a golden age for for creator owned right now. And you know, I'm gonna uh, Hurley and I are we're gonna keep working on the beauty. Um, we are working on uh, writing number seventeen right now. Wow. Um, so yeah, we're a bit ahead. Um, you got to stay ahead with these creator owned books, though. That's <laughs> the whole. You know, you remember when you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago when a lot of series would start and then it would be like, um, you know, six months between issues one and two and, you know, nine months between two and three. And I, you know, two years later you get something and comics really aren't working like that anymore. Um, you know, you still have situations that happen. People get sick, people have family issues, people have lives that, that, you know, makes you know sometimes things don't work out but but image has been really working very very hard to ensure that books come out on a regular basis and mm -hmm. they've set up the thing uh, you know the way that image comics works right now is you do an arc you take a month off a month the trade, trade comes out and then you have a month off again and then the next issue comes out mm -hmm. and that's purely designed i think that, i think that that really started with a uh, saga yeah with with Brian Kavon and Fiona Staples, um, uh, it really allows you to kind of stay on top of things. You know, um, it works really well. The book I'm doing right now, um, we're on issue four, and it comes out um, in late summer, early fall. So we are way ahead on that. And that's the um, realm, right? That is the realm. Yes, yes. You've got, you've got the insight. You you're you're paying attention, man. That's I know. Good. I was. I've been looking at your Twitter, and every once in a while, you'll just, I'll just see a drawing posted from you that's like hashtag the realm, and I'm like, what is that? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I I I can't not show you know, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, that's that's it's hard. It really is. I mean, I uh, we've been working on the realm for nine, ten months now. Oh wow. And, you know, just we started doing, you know, world building, uh, designing, you know, characters and doing all this stuff. And it's a, it's an epic story. It's much it's it's incredibly, you know, it's 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 absolutely different than uh, the beauty. Uh, I, I that's one thing that I, I appreciate about creator owned stuff is mm -hmm. that, you know, I can do something like the beauty and then I can be, you know, say, Hey, I want to do an epic, uh, post-apocalyptic high fantasy book. And then I can go, Hey, I want to do a, you know, a horror thing. And I, I can just, I can just do it. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. 
And so who are you working on the realm with? Uh, that's with Seth Peck. Um, he's a buddy of mine, Kansas City guy. Um, he did, uh, I, I was, we're part of the, the kind of uh, official, unofficial collective Bad Karma. We did uh, a, a hardcover anthology book um, through Kickstarter Yeah, about two years ago now. And um, Seth is one of the guys from that. Um, he did uh, a book called Sorrow, I believe, with Rick Remender and Francesco Francavilla from Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, he wrote um, Wolverine during The Fear Itself. There was a Wolverine story that they did. He wrote uh, X-Men for a few issues in there. Um, he's, he's a, he's a good guy. We've, you know, I've known him forever and kind of like Hurley, you know, he's a very, very talented friend that, that I've known forever. And, you know, with your friends, you always say like, you know, Oh, we should work together on something. We need to do this. And then time passes and you get projects. And finally the realm was the thing that, that I, was wanting to do and I, you know, I, I felt like Seth and I needed to, to take a stab at it. And I sat down and I said, here's the thing that I'm wanting to do. You know, this is, this is the world. What do you think of this? And he was, you know, kind of like the beauty with Hurley. He just, every idea that he had was golden. And I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing this next. Absolutely. So, nice. so do you think that, uh, that, you know, for, I guess, you know, the foreseeable future that you will continue to sort of do the uh, the co-writing and art thing? Like, do you feel like you're more comfortable in the co-writing realm or would you want to try and do solo writing? Which one do you feel like works better for you? Um, Probably both, to be honest. Um, there are a few things that I am just writing mm-hmm. right now. Um, and the, the trick of it really becomes... Um, the time that things take. Uh, If I'm drawing it, I almost always prefer, if it's something big, I will say this, if it's something big, then I almost always prefer co-writing it with somebody just because it makes it easier. Um, If it's, you know, um, uh, some short stories I'm going to be working on, I think definitely Mm -hmm. that's coming. Um, I'm trying to, you know, trying to figure out the delivery system for some of that okay, uh, yeah. uh, comics, you know, it, it's changed enough, you know, and, uh, short stories are really hard because, you know, you want to collect them eventually and you want to be able to do that. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's getting, getting a company to, to it, short stories are a hard sell. Yeah. Anthologies are a hard sell. Um, and I completely understand it. It's a logistics thing. It's, we all, I, I love short stories. I'm sure you guys love short stories, uh, but you know, people don't always buy them and, and you know, the risk factor there gets kind of high. So I'm trying to figure out what the delivery system for some of these shorts is going to be. I really kind of miss the old days of sitting down and saying, you know, I want to tell a story about, you know, vampires or I want to tell a story about, you know, something Lovecraftian or whatever it is. And, sitting down and telling an eight page story that's black and white and just done the way that I want to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll figure that out. That's, that's coming up. And yeah, so lots, lots more, 
that I'm drawing and lots more that I'm writing and uh, co-writing too. It's uh, that's awesome. I, I just I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I don't think. That's good. Mentioning no. all those old Go mentioning ahead. all those old black and white comics. I, so when I was a kid, I used to pour over those uh, creepy comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like there's that you know, and maybe I maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but I feel like that's sort of a missing thing now. Those this those the compilation comics where you would get, you know, eight to 10 short stories and they'd all be black and white and just, and just, you know, here's this, you know, here's a, you know, it's almost like reading uh, X amount of twilight zone episodes. And right. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that exists anymore, but I think that that's sort of, if, if it doesn't sort of a lost form and something that would be really cool to see being presented again, these, the, the, just cause I don't know, it's just a fun way to read. It's a fun way to sit down and just kind of, you know, uh, I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to read a couple of these short things. I think it pops up. It's just not as common. And I think that, you know, you start to hear different arguments on why things don't work. And I, I and I think um, anthologies are very, very hard to curate. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I realize that I'm, this may sound very entitled and I, I'm, not, I'm not, not trying to sound that way at all. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, yeah, we all work hard and we should work hard. And, and, uh, um, but, you know, it does take a certain level of of effort to curate an anthology to to put one together. Um, getting working with creator comic creators is kind of like herding cats. Sure, it really. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know I putting the beauty together. Um, Hurley and I were joking about it just the other night, and, and you know. It's it's a labor of love, and, and we, we're really close with the group of people that that are making it every time. But you know, invariably, I'll be terribly sick for a week and a half, and then Hurley will get sick right as soon as I'm done being sick, and then uh, you know, uh, the the artist will you know be doing something, and 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 he'll have a couple of days that it'll shift this way, and then you know. Uh, coloring jobs are busy and then lettering. And it's just, it's getting all of that to line up perfectly the way it needs to, to get these books out is, is a miracle sometimes. And, and I think that whenever you're doing an anthology, it, it, it magnifies all of that because suddenly you're not working with, with, you know, a writer, an artist, a pencil or a, a colorist, uh, a letter, you know, and an editorial person. You know, mm-hmm. five things. Suddenly, you're working on ten stories that have five to seven people each working on them, and uh, yeah. and it's it's very very hard to put that together. I, I think to, to your point, you can you're getting good stuff like that, but it's much more in the very very independent realms right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there there is you know uh, I think uh, Brandon Graham just mm-hmm. helmed uh island that was coming out from image mm-hmm. and it had it was it was kind of an anthology sort of thing and you'll get stuff like uh stuff from vertigo every once in a while that fits the format i think my idea that i really want to examine and i'm, I'm not really, really sure how to quite pull it off yet because i want to make sure that it's worth it for everybody involved you know i want to make the fans happy but um but i i've been looking into doing um a series of shorts that I would release through something like Patreon. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, 
um, you know, so basically, you know, you, you get in and then you get a weekly dose of whatever it is, you know, a couple drawings, some working videos, some things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get early access to all this stuff because everybody else would only get these stories once they were collected, but the people that were, you know, following the thing, um, they get the shorts when they come out. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that's cool. That'd be fun to watch and just check out. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. I know there's like some people like Justin Jordan and some other comics creators out there that are like trying to figure out, you know, how to how to utilize a, a medium like Patreon. And that sounds like a, a really cool way to do it. Well, I think that you can look at guys like Ben Templesmith and they're mm-hmm. they're I mean, Ben's ahead of the curve on everything that he does. He's just <laughs> I hate him. I really do. <laughs> no, uh, no uh, ben, Ben's one of those guys that like understands his audience and understands how to to get things directly to the fans um i think that the yeah like justin and and a lot of guys you know we're, we're really trying to figure out ways that that tap directly into our audience yeah i think that um you know we're always going to do stuff like i'm always going to do stuff for image or for Marvel or DC or for, you know, uh, uh, you know, other, other smaller companies. Like I'm always going to be able to doing or to be doing a lot of stuff, but, um, Mm -hmm. there are certain things out there that like, I, I don't know who's going to want to publish my little four page, you know, creature haunting somebody story you know but i can if i want to do it i can figure out a way to put it out myself and i think that there's a very nice connection that is available right now between fans and and um creators you know it's becoming more and more uh it it, it's it's much more available now via things like kickstarter or patreon you know i i there was no way I, uh, about a year and a half ago, I did a project with, with my boys, with my two sons, mm-hmm. uh, called Dino. Um, it was, it was, um, my youngest son was, uh, five at the time and he wanted me to draw him a dinosaur with big teeth. And I, and I drew it for him and, and it was, it was a snow day and, he, but he just, he loved it. And like, like cackled, you know, as I was sitting there drawing it for him and it was the best feeling in the world. And, uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm doing this again because, you know, it made him happy. It was fun yeah. for me to do. It made me happy. And so it became a weekly thing. Well, about halfway through it, eh, less a couple months into it, you know, I had people asking, are, are you going to collect these things? Are you going to collect these weekly drawings? And I was like, well, I, think i am gonna do yeah that sounds great (laughs) and um and you know i ended up doing it via kickstarter and because there's there's was no other way that anybody was ever going to publish my silly little thing but it worked really well like that and i appreciate the idea that we live in a time where you can do stuff like that yeah, I think it's with the adapting, like the, the industry has obviously been changing a lot over the, the past decade and especially over the past like five years. 
Um, and you know, it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, we don't see as many like little sort of horror anthologies on the shelves or anything like that. But the, the flip side of it is that all these new things like Kickstarter and Patreon and, you know, like, um, what is it? Hiveworks, a lot of these web comics places, like there are places where people are still looking for that. It's just sort of in a, a different place than it used to be. And it's kind of, I think, providing a, a better opportunity for people to, uh, to find that as, you know, provided that I guess people know where to look for it yeah yeah well and that's i mean that's where things do get kind of taxing i think um i you know making sure that that your audience knows how to get things is uh nearly a full time sometimes you, know, yeah. you really gotta make sure that you, make sure you're staying up with your audience on twitter and facebook and, and instagram and things like that but yeah. you know it, it's 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 worth it you know, being able to to meet and talk with people and and interact directly with your audience is, uh, you know, it's not always easy and sometimes very, you know, it can, it can go, it can go a little wrong sometimes, but for the most part, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I uh, I think we're we're about approaching the end here, uh, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. Uh, I think that there's you know a lot more we'd love to explore with you, and obviously as the beauty keeps going and and as uh, the realm comes up, we'd love to have you on. Um, but are you up for doing a, a quick little lightning round of questions and then, uh, sending it on out? Let's do this. All right. Uh, what's in your pull list? Uh, everything too much. <laughs> I, 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 uh, <laughs> right now I've, I've actually, I'm behind on my reading a little bit mm. and beside my bed, I've got nine short boxes of comics stacked up. So, uh, yeah. Um, anything from, uh the the bprd universe uh i've i'm almost reading every single image <laughs> coming out right now um i'm loving a lot of the stuff that uh you know uh boom's got some great titles out mm-hmm. um the I, i've just kind of gotten into the valiant stuff because uh i was behind on that i had several things kind of stacked up that i was wanting to get to but um that's a lot of fun. Nice. You know, uh, just about anything that guys like, uh, you know, Jason Aaron does, um, you know, they're, they're really, this, like I said, this is a, a wonderful <laughs> time to be reading comics. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really between, between image, boom, black mask, uh, even like Valiant, a lot of these studios, they're just putting out some great stuff. Um, yeah. would you, would you like to see the beauty adapted to another medium? That might be a very serious possibility, sir. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a little teaser. Um, all right. Uh, and let's see. Uh, do you have a really terrible story you can tell about Jason Hurley that uh, will require him to come onto the show and defend his honor? <laughs> uh, I, I don't... I, 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 how, which, how do I limit my, my, my stories about him? Um, Sounds like a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first off, he, you know, he's, he's a grown ass man and, and he's, he's a giant. He's like, he's <laughs> like six, four. And, you know, oh, wow. I, 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 um, but he's a big guy and that wears shorts and flip flops 365 days a year. <laughs> so, um, I prove. yeah, so that, that, yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's, it, it works for him, but yeah, it's always fun to, you know, like be, be like, Hey, let's go out to a really nice dinner at this <laughs> place in, in New York during, uh during the con mm-hmm. um got captain shorts and flip-flops that's uh, amazing yeah um 
are you uh, are you working on? Well, I guess I guess we kind of already answered that, so we'll throw that lightning round question uh, out of the. Uh, I, I, I got I got a lightning round question. Do uh, soundtrack soundtrack to the beauty. I like to do uh, music and comics pairings. So, what should the uh, beauty soundtrack be? Um, anything sexy, man. Um, uh... <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Yes. Yeah, lots, that's lots perfect. Like, yeah. Um, you know, most that I listen to uh, whenever I'm writing is score based stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I listen to a lot of Arcade Fire and stuff like that. Nice. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm you stump me here. I'm actually terrible <laughs> at that sort of thing. Hey, those are all those are all good recommendations. I think. Um, here, 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 here's a cool little aside, though. Um, so, and we haven't talked about this very much, but I think we're going to be doing something really cool uh, musically to tie into the realm. Ooh. We've got some uh, original content from a fantastic band that we're working with, and I just got to hear the first track, and it's kind of awesome. So that's incredible. I am excited for that. Yeah, yeah. And when after. Before uh, before yeah, we continue the the questions, when does the realm come out? When can we uh, look forward to that? Um, right now, we're trying. We're looking at um, late August, early September. Okay. Yeah, cool. and that's all based on a couple of little things right now. Um, yeah, but but definitely early September. Awesome. Um, yeah. If uh, if you could exist in any comic book world or universe, which would it be? Um, put Archie. <laughs> <laughs> no threats of giant evil monsters coming and uh, attacking the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's good. Maybe the sex, the sex criminals universe. Oh, that's uh, there. We go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. And are there any elements of the world of the beauty uh, that you think are improvements upon our own? improvements i i think it shines a little bit of a mirror too much on yeah. some of the things that's, that's kind of why i asked that question is i think uh, that most of it can be taken as very cynical about our world uh, but i was curious if there were anything that you think was a, a positive uh reflection um I, I you know i think it's all in the characters i think that that uh during during that time you have characters like vaughn who even though she has it she has a very good understanding of you know of beauty and of, of why it is a mess um yeah so most of it's just in the characters and, and their viewpoints i think i think that you know the, the the dark stuff the the nasty stuff about the way that the world works the cynical stuff um you know that's more a shining a light on that but yeah. you know i still believe in people good that's it's always nice to be able to believe in people a little bit uh, um, <laughs> just just a little bit, just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't give them too much leeway. Right, right. Um, okay, and then uh, last one in in volume one after issue one, which I guess was was made quite before uh, issues two and and so on. Uh, why did you change your your panel layouts from being uh, you know very like ruled and even lines to be kind of more freehand and squiggly? You know, that's <laughs> you're the first person to 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 actually. Uh, catch that. I think. <laughs> um, uh, I 
I had been doing the more organic panel borders because I just like drawing them that way. Yeah. I think that having to break out a ruler is a pain in the ass. When, when you're, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm happy to do, I'm happy to, to use a ruler when I'm penciling, but when I'm inking, I just want to like go. And uh, I like the organic feel that it has. And, and especially yeah. with darker stuff, you know, fantasy horror, that sort of thing. It, it's really nice to use, to have that. Um, yeah. And so I did it. The first issue I did ruled panel borders and completely forgot between issues one and two that I had done that. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's what happened no, there. That's cool. I actually, I, I really like the free-handed ones. They're, uh, I feel like they, they add to the vibe a lot more. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, stick with them. That's good. I, I like it. Um, so as we're sending off here, uh, you know, plug your stuff. Where can people find you online? When can they find your comics and where? Uh, all, all that good stuff. What you got? Yeah, um, month. Uh, the beauty is coming out regularly for Image Comics. Uh, issue fourteen should be hitting uh, this month. Now that we're now in April, um, and uh, then um, I'm regularly posting. Uh, pictures of uh, what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, what my kids and I are doing, a lot of the Legos uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook. It's just under my name. Uh, yeah. And on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Jerhan, J-E-R-H-A-U-N. So that's, that's not the full name, but yeah, I'm awesome. around. And, uh, and I'll let the listeners know as well, you can uh, contribute to the hashtag beauty free uh, campaign on Instagram or Twitter. Take a, a nice little uh, uh, picture of yourself that makes it very clear that you have not been infected with the beauty. Um, and you can even uh, find the, uh, the hashtag beauty free shirt uh, on, let's see, where, where's the website that they can get that on? JeremyHan.com? Yeah, you can just go to jeremyhahn.com and it's in the store. I've got that. I've got some sketchbooks and various other things up that are fun. I think I might still have. We did uh, a very limited edition enamel pen oh, cool. from the beauty, from the cover, that, that first thing. I think I've still got a few of those that might even be up there. But uh, yeah, awesome. fun stuff. Well, perfect. Hey, thanks uh, so much for joining us today, Jeremy. And we'd love to circle back with you around uh, when The Realm is coming out and kind of, you know, like obviously volume three of uh, The Beauty, all that stuff. So you're welcome back anytime, but uh, we'll reach out to uh, to schedule something else uh, in the future. Hopefully, if you'll uh, if you'll join us for another torturous, grueling, uh, you know, hard, hard questions <laughs> session. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. You guys have been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Jeremy. All right. And that was Jeremy Hahn. Uh, that was a, a great interview. He was just as talkative as uh, as you could hope and gave a lot of uh, awesome stuff. So we'd like to thank Jeremy again for coming on. Um, and then uh, in sort of keeping with tradition with what we've done before, we just wanted to talk really quick uh, about the beauty and, and our thoughts on the series. Welcome. Welcome back, guys. Uh, hello. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh, here I am. Uh, uh, sorry. I was, I wasn't expecting us to jump in that quick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, we, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much, you know, for all intents and purposes, caught up on volume one and volume two of, uh, of the beauty. And, and as we talked about in the interview, it's, uh, you know, it's been a book that's kind of changed directions and gone in a lot of different places as the series has gone on. So we just want to talk about our, our thoughts on the book and, and, you know, give sort of some impressions and things like that. Uh, so what's, 
what have your guys been thoughts thoughts been sorry uh on the series <laughs> as it's gone on uh uh just like I, you know in, I, I, no i got i got i got you uh no i'm just sort of like stuttering because I, I don't know i kind of I, I think i covered it in the interview I, my, my thoughts are primarily like uh how much i'm really loving this 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 universe um and this this you know sort of uh all the different stories that are taking place within it uh and so you're not necessarily following the same characters the whole time and you can just get this really good just really big glimpse of how the world is being affected by this by the beauty and 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 how people how people from all around you know all all these different types of people are dealing with it i think that is absolutely fascinating and such an interesting way to uh to to have a story um to have a narrative that doesn't uh, necessarily, you know, it follow, it's almost as if the beauty itself is the main character versus the characters throughout. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so cool. So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's pretty much my, my, the uh, alpha and omega of it. I just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a fascinating romp through this, this, uh, this, this such a wild idea. Is that going to be your, uh, your JJ Abrams quote? It's a fascinating romp. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I hope find so. that on the cover of the next issue of the beauty. You must check it out. You must check it out. Um yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the direction change and kinda like we talked about, I think that it has like I as I was sort of looking at uh the the questions that we got on Reddit, a lot of people were referring to some of the sort of backlash to the change in direction on the beauty. And I uh it's really interesting though, because I just like in in reading that second volume and in going on in the series like i think it's 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 fucking rad that like they're bringing in all these different artists and getting all these different takes on you know all these different sort of corners of that universe yeah yeah exactly i mean i i I do kind of understand a sort of backlash because those characters in the first volume are incredible characters Yeah, they're super compelling but i also again i agree with matt you know, having kind of the just kind of like a walking dead approach. Like it's just how people are living with it and surviving with it. And Mm. you still see their lives, but it's not necessarily, you know, just one group of characters and that's their one driving force is to find a cure and all that. Yeah. I, I like seeing how everybody's living with it and some people like having the beauty and you have the anti-beauty people and (laughs) it's actually pretty interesting did you read 12 and 13 yeah i did no Uh, i I was asking rachel uh so so that's the 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 fun thing about those is well it's you know not much of a spoiler but you know old characters aren't gone so that that's that's kind of cool that they you know you may have an attachment to it and they might not visit it for a little bit but they'll be back yeah yeah they just kind of touch base with them and it was cool because in issue 12 um jeremy hahn was back on on art for one issue and then you know with 13 it kind of went back to a another new artist like yeah i think i think 12 was probably my favorite so far i thought that was just a, and it's just a such a uh such a fun little story yeah mm-hmm. And a, a nice reflection on like the whole like dating culture. That was super cool. It's uh, I've I found the covers to be really fascinating. It's like at a certain point I was like, wait a minute, none of these covers are like, you know, like a lot of them don't have necessarily much to do with like what's you know within the uh, 
the book itself but i think that like just having all these different sort of just like you know uh it feels like just like still life drawings of these like porcelain doll beauty decayed looking people is interesting like just how many ways you can make that interesting over you know 13 issues now that it still looks yeah different and, yeah. and awesome pardon yeah, yeah. i i love it i do too it's uh, a, a great series and uh all of our listeners should check it out if they haven't already we've been glowing about it for like months but um yeah but that's uh i think that's that's about it um for everybody listening follow us on social media we are at savage land pod on twitter uh savage land podcast on both facebook and instagram you can leave us a voicemail if you want to call in with your opinions on anything and uh during our sort of catch up and and topic episodes we will play those um the number that you can call to leave a voicemail is 413 savage 4 uh and leave us your message or you can send an email to letters at savagelandpodcast.com uh and i think that's about it is that is that everything uh, I think that's most of it. Uh, hop on the interwebs uh, after you're done listening to this and throw us any questions you want us to ask the legendary Jim Zub. Oh, yeah. He'll be, uh, be next in our interview queue. Uh, so that's actually going to be pretty exciting. Go read Glitter Bomb. Get yourself prepared. Yeah. Read all. all... Or, uh, what was it? Skull, Skull Kickers? Yeah, Skull... Glitter Bomb, Skull Kickers, Wayward. Skull... Those are the three uh, image series that he's had that are the longest running, but he's also had a bunch of others. He's had a ton of other stuff. Um, I'm, I've, I've been diving a little bit into his uh, Marvel's Thunderbolts run, yeah. which is fun. But uh, Samurai Jack. All Samurai that stuff. Jack. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's the fun, hot, new, exciting thing. It's the hot, hot for... takes. Hot, hot. For... Hot, hot, hot pancakes hot sticks <laughs> <laughs> um yeah leave us and then leave us your reviews uh and ratings on itunes we repre- oh, wait, appreciate wait. those greatly we got a new one i'm gonna read it oh did we sec. i didn't know that I sure did wait 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 wait, 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 wait so while matt's pulling wait, that up wait wait, wait, wait. while matt's pulling that up uh i will also let everyone know i was at uh WonderCon over the weekend and the great benefit of being able to go to that convention obviously it was really close so it made it convenient for me to go uh, but I was able to book, I think, a total of 17 new guests uh, for our show. So we will have some more just amazing uh, creator interviews from people that I think all of us on the show love and respect. Um, and some as yeah. well that uh, are very you know newer to the industry, some that have been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, Hold on to your butts. Yeah, seriously, it's, it's really exciting. And uh, yeah... Um, just you know the the sort of love and support we we always greatly appreciate it and we're hoping to be able to uh to get out to more conventions you know because obviously as we've talked about with salt lake comic-con there are not many creators that are invited and so we haven't had the chance to talk to them um but now with me being in la there are a couple of conventions that are close that uh i'm able to go to a bit more easily but our hope is to be able to get out to more and more conventions so we can meet some creators that are you know, more based on the East Coast or, or you know, aren't able to come out to these uh, two conventions here in L.A. Uh, okay, so uh, the review is uh, uh, iTunes from Not Even a Geek. Uh, <laughs> headline is Always Excited for Thursdays. Five stars. Aw. You don't even have to be into geek culture to think these guys are hilarious. Well, eh. 
Well, and you'll probably get into geek culture if you listen to these guys because they, A, make it accessible, and B, they come up with inside jokes that I bet all y'all geeks out there would think are hilarious, which makes me want to learn more. Aww. Aww. Well, thank you so much for that review. Uh, we, we greatly yes. appreciate it. And, uh, and we want more. We do want more. We're, we're greedy. <laughs> we're like uh, Scrooge McDuck diving into a vault full of reviews. Yep, Hopefully, yep. exactly but right like now. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> right now, there's only a, a few reviews down in there, and so it's like when we jump into that vault, then we end up injuring ourselves. So, if you could please uh, help us fill that vault so that we don't break our necks when we uh, dive through that pile of reviews. <laughs> Gosh, metaphors. Um, yeah, but uh, please, please keep those reviews coming. We absolutely love them, and uh, it will help us not only feel good about ourselves and not be uh, not be standing on this proverbial ledge, just kidding, uh, but it will also, I think, give us a bit more uh, reputability when reaching out to more creators uh, that they they know they're in good hands. They know they're you know they're they're they can be trusted with us. So, yeah, no, yep, all those things. Follow, like, subscribe, review, all that, and uh, tune in next week for Jim Zub and enjoy, enjoy life. We, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>